All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. everybody welcome back to another episode of dropping the gloves thanks for joining us official podcast of the hockey nation network hockeyfights.com thank you for joining us today on a wednesday it's a good day tim it's a very good day lots to talk about i love this time of year we're kind of through the doldrums of the regular season you know the the stretch where okay the first 15 games are done then you gotta bang through the next 40 it's like oh it's painful now we're getting into the 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 meat and the potato. These these games mean something. The players know it. The coaches know it. You can feel the intensity amp up a little bit. You really start to get that push, push for the playoffs. I, I was reminiscing watching all these teams because I when I first got called up to Minnesota, it was right after Christmas, January. We were out of a playoff spot. And when I got there, we, and it wasn't because of me, but maybe we got healthy. We slowly started to win a few more games and we were right in the mix of a playoff run. And it was just very exciting. The trade deadline came around. It's like, are we going to add somebody? Are we going to trade somebody? What's going to happen? We kind of stayed pat. We didn't do much. And we missed out on the playoffs by one point, one single point. I think we got 98. The team in front of us had 99. And you look back, those guys who were there, the Miku Koivus, the Marion Gabricks, Nicholas Backstroms, Owen Nolan. It's like, gosh, did we let one slip away the first week of the season, the second week of the season? But that's all. You can't think about that now. These teams, it's going to be exciting the last 30 games. There's a lot of good races to watch in the West. It's going to be very, very exciting in the East. Not so much. Maybe we're trying to make up a race that isn't there between Washington and Columbus. We'll touch on that in a little bit. But in the West, man, it is going to be just down to the wire. Who's going to make it in? Who's going to be the odd one out? Because there will be two or three teams that, oh, you look back, it's like, oh, Edmonton, you went on that nine-game losing streak. What were you doing? What's going on? But I think the race in the East that we were just talking about before we came on the air, who's going to get the first place seed? Which team in the East is going to eke that out? Because right now there's three teams, three, maybe four teams vying for that first overall seed in the East, whether it's Carolina, Pittsburgh, the Rangers and Tampa Bay and Florida. Gosh, maybe six teams could vie for that first overall seed. It's, it's a top heavy division in the East right now. And the reason I say everyone's going to be vying for that first overall seed, because the way the playoff scenario works out, 
if you're the first overall seed, you get to play the Washington Capitals. And if I'm a team like the Carolina Hurricanes, I don't want to finish second overall because that means I play the Boston Bruins. And when I'm looking up and I'm lining up my playoffs, who would you rather play? A Washington Capitals team that has been beaten out in the first round for the last three years. They have been skidding the last month, two months of the season. They show no signs of improvement. They're aging. They're just a shell of the former self that won the Stanley Cup in 2018. Or do you want to play a Boston Bruins team that has veterans? Their first line is just the perfection line. They're, They're very, very hard to beat. Their goaltenders, maybe they have a pretty good defense. They're a good hockey team. They know how to win games. I am begging to play the Washington Capitals right now. So that's the race I'm going to be looking for at the end of this kind of last 10 games because Carolina's got the inside track based on their last week, week and a half. They've been playing really well. But boy, oh boy, it's going to be fun. Another thing I don't like is the first round in the East, we're going to lose two teams that arguably could be top five teams in the NHL. After it all shakes out point-wise, Carolina is going to be right there. Tampa Bay is going to be right there. You're going to lose Pittsburgh, New York, Florida, or Toronto, and two of those teams will be top five in the NHL, potentially, in points. And it's just after the first round. They're going to go home without winning a playoff round. I don't know. I know people talk about this every year. Should we change the way we do the playoffs? Should we just go the top 16 teams those teams make it in. What are your thoughts on that? Do you, would you do a whole massive overhaul? I know I'm kind of throwing this on you last minute, but I've been thinking about this a lot, especially this year. The Pacific is really bad. The Central is really bad top to bottom. Yes, they have a few top-heavy teams with Colorado and Minnesota and maybe St. Louis, but maybe not. If you put those teams in the East, I don't think they're all playoff teams. Do you think it's time for a change just the way it's been the last few years where the East has been so incredibly strong? I think this is the longest opening of a show ever before I said a word. You just talked for like 15 minutes. It was good, though. It was good stuff. Um, I think I, I, I wouldn't change it because even going back to like, okay, obviously coming from a Boston fan, everyone talked about like Toronto and Boston first round every year. And it was like, at that point, like the two best teams in the East, it's like, why are we eliminating one of these teams in the first round? That's not good for hockey. And I can understand that argument. And you can say the same thing here, but like this year, especially there's so many good teams in the East. There's no way to avoid having at least one or two of these teams eliminated in the first round. So I don't think you get rid of that. I also like the aspect from hockey's perspective is like, you get, you get upsets. You get these the Columbus Blue Jackets sweeping the Tampa Bay Lightning. It doesn't happen in any, any other sport. These games mean something. You have to actually watch it. It's not predictable. And I, I just worry about going back to the one verse eight, two verse seven, et cetera, that you get into just a little bit of like, gosh, just these predictable playoff formats where you're like, okay, you can pencil in at least the first round. You pretty much know who's going to win. Maybe there's one upset. With these, even, even Washington could surprise people. Maybe not, but – Really, any of these teams could beat any of these teams in a seven-game series. And I like that. I think it's better for hockey than having this, like, the first round is basically written in ink. Yeah, I don't. I think the only drawback of making it 1-16 to 16 is you could potentially end up with a Stanley Cup of Tampa Bay, Florida, or a Carolina, Florida, or two teams in the same division who have seen each other over and over again, and it completely eliminates 
three quarters of the country. That is the one major drawback. And that's the reason that they'll never do it just based on money, ratings, viewership, that'll completely plummet it. But you could end up with an amazing matchup. Just say, like you just said, you could have a Boston Toronto Stanley cup final. That would be incredible. And just looking at it now, one through 16, the, the team, the same eight teams from the East and the West would make the playoffs. So you wouldn't get like 10 or 11 or 12 teams from the East making the playoffs. The same 16 teams that are in now would make it one through 16. The matchups would be really interesting though. Colorado would match up versus Edmonton. That'd be fun to watch. Nathan McKinnon, Landis Skog, Connor McDavid, Dryan Seidel. Like that's a pretty, pretty primo first round matchup. Then you got Carolina Vegas, very fun matchup. Vegas maybe would be the, underdog would you say vegas is the underdog going into the first round i i would be hard pressed to say anybody would say that at the beginning of the season but there here we are carolina versus vegas you got tampa bay nashville you got washington florida you got la toronto that's fun pittsburgh minnesota boston new york rangers and st louis and calgary i don't mind those matchups i think it's fun i think it gives you more weight for having a really successful regular season because right now if I'm the Tampa Bay Lightning or if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs or the New York Rangers, it's like, okay, we went through 82 games, a hard-fought season. I battled my way through the Metropolitan Division, which is the best division in hockey. Now what do I do? Okay, who do I got to line up? I'm the Pittsburgh Penguins. I get to play the New York Rangers first round. We both got over 105 points. How is that any kind of carrot dangling in front of me for the regular season? How is that a gift from the NHL for just busting my hump all season long? Now I get to play this team for seven game battle. And I'm probably going to lose one of these teams. And they're one of the best teams in the NHL. It just drives me nuts. And then I look to the Pacific division and you get a team like St. Louis who gets a gift in playing the LA Kings. Or I know there's, there's going to be good matchups, but it just kind of irks me a little bit. I know I wouldn't mind going one to 16. I really wouldn't, but it'll, it'll never happen. I think it is. I think it's more fair to do one through 16. I know the travel's a nightmare and you could end up with an inner state or inner province Stanley Cup finals, but you know, you win some, you lose some. I think you have to reward teams for having a good regular season. And this playoff system doesn't reward a team for having a strong regular season. It really doesn't. So I, I, I'm just maybe beating a dead horse here, but I, I wish someone would look at it and change it because it's just not fair. It, it's not fair, Tim. And I'm all about being fair, right? You said it would never happen. Why not? Like, what's what's Batman's argument against this? Like, well, money. Whole... But it uh, always comes down to the do re me. And like, well, how I does the money impact this? Or how well, does it impact the money? It's it, it's all viewership. It's all based on how many eyes can you get on this game. And if I'm ESPN, I'm carrying a game, and I'm looking how many team or how many eyeballs are on this game, and it's a Stanley Cup final, and it's Florida versus Tampa Bay, or who else? Pittsburgh versus. Who else would be a bad matchup? Pittsburgh versus the, I don't know, two teams that you wouldn't get big markets with. Carolina versus Tampa Bay, prime example. It's not a sexy matchup. You don't have an original six. There's nobody out west or in Canada who wants to watch that game. But in contrast, if you have a Colorado versus a Toronto, that's a pretty good matchup. You get all of Canada, you get the West Coast, the people out east are going to watch it. So you eliminate a big, big, big portion of the country just by doing a one through 16. That's the only drawback. And then the travel in the first round and second round, that that's a big deal to the players. If you're in the first round, you don't be traveling all the way across the country for those games, potentially going on massive flights four times in the first round. That's a big deal, but you know, Vancouver does it. 
what are you going to do? So it's, uh, it's something that'll never come to fruition, which is sad. It would be fun to do this one season to see how it would shake out, but it's never going to happen. And we'll keep just banging our head against the wall when we see the Toronto Maple Leafs having to play the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round, knowing one of these teams is going to be out in the first round when they should rightfully so make it to at least the semifinals of the Eastern Conference, not the first round where they just get knocked out by another great team. Moving on to the Eastern Conference, another team, Jake DeBrust. Tim, you're Boston Bruins. You're an insider. What has been going on with Jake DeBrust the last couple of weeks? What's been happening? What has he been eating? I don't know. He's Wheaties, apparently. It's a big story right now because, if you remember, he asked for a trade back in January. Um, and Boston fans were basically like, yeah, good riddance. Don't let it hit you on the way out. And he has struggled for much of the year. And basically, if you if you go back a year, Last before last season, he did a, a two-year bridge contract at about 24 years old, something like that. Basically, betting on himself to kind of get out of this funk and take that next step, but he's never really seemed to have taken after 27 goals his rookie year. Um, so fast forward, ask for a trade in January. It's just not working out. I think he wants to get back to Edmonton where his roots are. I think he wants a, a shot in a new lineup. You know, it's very similar to the we talked about this, the Domi's, the, the Galchenyuk's. Once you do that early on in your career, people it's, it's tied to you forever. But lately, they've, they've broken up that perfection line where he's been skating on the top line with Bergeron and Marchand. And now the second line is uh, Taylor Hall, Eric Halla, and Pasternak. So DeBrus, just the last couple of weeks, has been skating on that top line with Bergeron and Marchand. It's working really well. He went on a five-game point streak. He scored seven goals, added two apples during that time. He had an assist. Uh, sorry, <laughs> he had a hat trick. He had, an assist? Whoa, he had an assist. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> No, he had a hat trick on Monday um, against the Kings, and they they beat them seven nothing. So he's looked really, really good of late, and it's good timing because they're getting closer to the trade deadline, which brings the question that Sweeney has to deal with: Is this the best they can expect down the stretch? Is this is he please playing for a contract now? Can they at least rely on this? Maybe not his whole career, but can they get this for two more months down the, down the stretch and into the playoffs? Or is this the time to trade him? His value has really never maybe been higher in his whole career. Just, you ship him now while he's, you can get something stronger for him and bring another piece back, even if it's an equivalent piece, but just a situation where both guys could benefit from uh, a new scenario. What, what do you think? This the real you, tra- you, trade? you trade this guy. If I'm a Bruins fan, if I'm a Boston Bruin, if I'm the GM, I am chomping at the bit to get rid of this guy. And the Bruins are playing it smart. They're doing everything they can to get his value up where they can get a good return for him because they're like, he has no business playing on that first line. You know, he's been playing. Okay. The last few weeks, his efforts been there, which is not characteristic of Jake DeBrusque, Jake, Jake DeBrusque, excuse me, but you trade this guy. He doesn't want to be in Boston. He's proven that through his career. He's been there for what? Five years. He's been a complete failure, a complete disappointment. What's the old saying? A zebra can't change his spots. That's Jake DeBrusque. He, he is a lazy player who is okay. uninterested many, many times. He doesn't go in the hard areas. You can't just all of a sudden say, oh, four weeks, let's keep him for two months and let's really hang our hat on this guy for the playoffs. No, you get rid of this guy right now. If you can get a second rounder for him, boom, out the door. His contract's too much. The problem with trading, trading Jake DeBrusque right now and the issue the Bruins are running into, he's a restricted free agent. His qualifying offer next year, he is due a $4.41 million qualifying offer. So that means if a team qualifies Jake DeBrusque, they have to pay him that much money. 
That's a lot of do-re-mi for a player who is uninterested and is lazy and has shown a, he has a bad track record of that. What are you shaking your head for? You act like I'm, I'm saying things that are completely out of left field. This is Jake DeBrusque. I think you're being a little bit hard on him. Oh, my but word. Uninterested and lazy, doesn't work hard. I, that's a little bit much. How would you, what, what would be the words you would use to characterize Jake DeBrusque? Hard worker? Inconsistent, probably. Um, what makes someone inconsistent? Why? Uh, lots of reasons. I don't think he's in the right scenario. I mean, listen, I, I, I am no huge fan of Jake DeBrus, but I just, I'm not going to be quiet while you call him lazy. His own coach, hard work. His own coach called him those, maybe not as harsh, but his own coach said he's, he doesn't get in on the four check. He doesn't seem like he's interested. That's those are get a thesaurus and it's not like lived up to expectations. Like these are fair. I'm not saying like, I'm not, I'm not coming the other direction. Just like bring it back. Just doesn't work hard at all. Just a little bit. Right. On a, on a night in night out basis. Does he give a hundred percent effort? Uh, probably not. Inconsistent. Lazy. Inconsistent. Lazy. He's lazy. And he's shown a trend for this, not going in the hard places. He doesn't go in the slot and he's never the first guy in the corner. When he does those things on the off occasion, he's a really good, really good player. Really, he reminds, he reminds me of a friend of the show, Brian Bickle, but with better hands. He's a big body with a pretty good shot, good hands on him. If he can just do that on a nightly basis, he would be a really successful power forward, but he doesn't want to. That's his whole issue. He doesn't want to. For whatever reason, he can't get in a mental space every single night to go out and do the things that he needs to do to be successful. So going back to the question, if I'm Don Sweeney, I'm trading this guy. DeBrusque agent just came out last week. He said, we are still actively trying to pursue a trade for Jake DeBrusque. His recent success hasn't changed anything. So they're, they're trying to get a trade from the Bruins have been smart about this. They have let his agent go out and try to make deals to get extensions for Jake, because no one's going to trade for Jake, knowing that they're going to have to sign him for $4.41 million next year, because that is too high for him. So what his agent is doing, they're saying, Hey, Let's do a trade and then we'll sign an extension for three, four years and we'll do it for three million a year, two million a year. So that's what they're trying to do right now. But teams don't know what they're getting in Jake DeBrusque. That's the problem. Are we getting the guy who's been like a really good hockey player for the last four to six weeks? The Bruins are showcasing him. They're putting on the second power play unit. He's playing with the best line in hockey for Pete's sake with Marshawn and Bergeron. Like you have to succeed in that role. And he is so good for the Boston Bruins. Very smart. Good for Jake DeBrusque. Hopefully he can get out of there. It's it's there's always greener pastures, right? That's the saying. It's like, no, the grass is never greener on the other side. It's not like he's going to go to another team and just be first line. Jake DeBrusque left wing. He's unbelievable. The Bruins wasted his talent for years and years and years. You don't think the Bruins have given him opportunities. I don't like Jason, Jake DeBrusque. I think he's a waste of talent. So yes, good for you. You got a hat trick. Try hard every single game, not just for four weeks. It drives me nuts. Personally, it drives me nuts. I worked my tail off for nine years. I would have died to have this guy's talent. If I had his talent, I think I'd be doing a podcast with you. I'd be living on my yacht in <laughs> Venice. I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be like raking. I'd, I would have made five, six, seven million bucks a year if I had his talent, but I didn't. So I made it work. I worked my tail off and got a nice 12 year professional career out of it. This guy's got talent. He's been given chances and he just takes it for granted. He doesn't try. He's disinterested. Man, I don't want to, you know, I'm going to try this week. He gets a stinking hat trick. It's like kick rocks, Jake DeBrusque, like <laughs> pooper, pooper, get off the pot. That's what I say. But anyways, do you think he gets traded? What, what do you think the end game is here with DeBrusque? Is he going to be a Bruin by the end of the year? I think he does get traded. My concern is you just mentioned like I'll flip him for a second round or something, which is probably fair value, but it leaves a big hole in their roster. And I don't know that 
I don't know. I, I'd rather see him move for another player than, try, than get him for a pick and then try to figure out another way to get a top six forward. So um, the problem is I don't know what you get for him. I don't know. I haven't really looked that closely to see who else is available. Maybe you package him as something else as part of one of those expiring contracts and try to get a, a better forward. But he's not – once you bring in a bigger name, like like a Besser, for example, like he can be part of a, a package for Besser – but he's got almost no value compared to where Besser brings to the table. Well, that's um, what you do. You, you have to package Jake DeBrusque and you have to get him to agree to a deal with the new team. So that opens up a whole plethora of new teams that are potentially looking two, three years down the road with Jake DeBrusque. It's like, okay, we don't have to contend this year, but let's get him. Let's sign him to a good deal. And then that, that opens up a whole more, like a big group of teams that you weren't available to trade to before if you can get Jake to agree to sign to any team in the NHL. So it, it, it will be interesting. I don't think his value has jumped up that much. I think GMs are smart. They know who he is. Like this this little mirage of Jake Brusque the last Jake DeBrusque last month isn't fooling any GMs. And if it is, you're not good at your job. All right. But the Bruins themselves, Tim, have looked really good. They've won five in a row. They lost to the Ducks last night. So that stopped that little burst they were on but they're looking pretty good i was a little worried about them for a while but they're coming around if they can somehow figure out their top two lines i think that's the big question mark with this team right now how are our first two lines going to shake out right now debrusque isn't the answer there is eric Halla a second line center that you can rely on going into the playoffs tim can you Probably not. I don't think he's just the top six player on a championship caliber team. So I agree. I like their third and fourth lines. I like Trent Frederick, the way he plays the game. Charlie Coyle has settled in nicely to a third line center role. I think that's been a little bit of a humbling moment for him. He he wanted to be a top two line guy, but he's he's playing okay. Craig Smith, same thing. That's a contract maybe they'd like to get out from underneath. But you need to figure out the top two lines. If you can get a talented guy to come in, whether it be a JT Miller, a Connor Garland, um, the aforementioned Brock Besser, that would make the Bruins a very dangerous hockey team right now. As it stands, I, I don't think they get out of the first round, but if they can make a move, they can bring in a, a high-end forward to help those top two lines. I like their chances. I really, really do. Their goaltending will always be somewhat of a question mark. Now, the Tuka, that experiment has failed. Swayman, Olmark, can they hold down the fort? I don't mind their defense. They're not going to win any you know, defensive battle of the year with that six, but I don't think they're gonna they're prone to mistakes, those guys. So, but they're gonna rely on their scoring. They're gonna rely on the top two lines. That's how they're gonna win the Stanley Cup if they do get to the Stanley Cup and they need to make a move. I don't know. Am I am I am I off base or is am I am I on the same train of thought with you? You're an insider in Boston, Tim. You know more than I do. No, I think you're spot on. And they've looked pretty good lately. And even last night they lost to the Ducks. Basically, it was overtime. Trevor Zeger scored with 20 seconds left in the third. Um, but at this point, they played in three out of four nights and four out of the last six. So I think they were just tired. So this team's looking pretty good. Um, Swayman won the rookie of the month. He's like 5 0 1, which is something silly, not 950, 970 save percentage. So he's gotten hot too. And I think he's the guy um, down the stretch. And, you know, I, I think you have really solid 1A and 1B. And I want to talk about a game the other night. They beat the Kings 7 0. They looked really, really good against that team. But the Kings, I was doing a little digging them. We've gotten a little flack for for dumping on the Kings um, from our listeners on, on Twitter and, and Instagram. Yes, they got shellacked by the Bruins the other night, but they are second in the Pacific Division right now. John, they're 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. And the way they're doing it is really cool. They've got this, you know, Anze Kopitar, of course, is leading the team with points with 50. But then you look at the depth of their roster, it is really, really impressive. Kempe's got 25 goals. But after after Kopitar with 50 points, 
you've got seven guys who have gotten between 36 and 29 points. With Kempe, Arvidsson, Deneau, Moore, Dowdy, Iafalo, six guys. And then you got Dustin Brown right behind them, 22 points. And then you got another 10 guys that double-digit points. Like, this is a deep, deep team. They don't rely on one player too heavily. They match up really well when you get into that third and fourth um, line matchups. And I think, I don't know, we, we haven't talked really anything about them. And I think that's it's a mistake on our part because they're a good hockey team. They're not that good. <laughs> no. They're not. No? Seven, two, and one. Do you know who they beat? Tell me. Um, the Islanders twice. The Coyotes twice. They beat the Edmonton Oilers. And they eked out a win versus the Vegas Golden Knights who are riddled with injuries. And they beat the Anaheim Ducks. You know what I mean? And the, oh, oh, sorry. And the Detroit Red Wings. Oh, the, the Wings who are just a they're, like they're going to win the cup. <laughs> None of those teams are going to make the playoffs. Maybe the Vegas Golden Knights. None of those teams, Tim, are, are good teams. They played a good team last night or two nights ago. The Boston Bruins. What happened? They just they got their lost. doors beat off. Seven nothing. I don't think you can just say oh, they're a really good team. They have seven, two, and one. Go back a little further in the standings. They lose to the New York Rangers. They used to lose to the Pittsburgh Penguins. They lose to the Colorado Avalanche. They lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They lose to the Rangers again. They will be a good team. I'm not ready to drink the Kool-Aid just yet on the LA Kings, but they will be a good team. Kempe is a good forward. Kopitar's having a great season. Dano is a good pickup for them. Doughty's having a, a bounce back season. They're not there. They're not there yet, but it is, it is a good story for the LA Kings. I, I've said this all season long with the Pacific division. Any one of these teams can go on a 10 game winning streak. And then they can turn around and go on a 10 game losing streak. We've seen it with every single team in this division. Calgary is the one who's shown the most consistency, but it, it's, it's not a good division, Tim. And so to say that, should we be talking about the LA Kings? No. Well, me, they're, it, they're a good story. They've been playing well. They're a mirage. They're not a good, like, they're not a team that's going to contend this year. I'm sorry. I don't know. I might tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. No, you know, I'm not saying you're wrong right now. I didn't look at the teams that they play. So that's a really good point. But right now, if the playoffs start today, they play Minnesota in the first round. You give them any chance? No. The Pacific Division right now, the only two teams that I would trust in the first round winning around is Calgary and Vegas. And Vegas is contingent on getting their whole lineup of players back, healthy, continuity, getting them, you know, comfortable with each other. And that's a big question mark because right now they don't have it. And you can see they're not playing to their full potential. They're having games where they struggle. It doesn't seem like they're on the same page. So, no, I don't see them winning a first-round matchup, LA Kings. I don't, I don't care who they're matching up with in the first round. I just don't see it. I think the Central is much stronger than the Pacific. I think whoever comes out of the Central, whether it's Colorado, St. Louis, Minnesota, or Nashville, the only team in the Pacific right now that I think is dangerous in the Calgary Flames, and I really, really, really like the Calgary Flames. We'll, we'll touch on them in a little bit, but I know I feel bad for the LA fans. It's like, I like LA. I like Kopitar. I like, I like Dowdy. Quick's having a good season. Not so much against the Bruins, but they're not there yet. I'm sorry. They're not there yet. Much like the Anaheim Ducks. They need some seasoning. They need some other pieces. They need to figure out some, some holes, but you can, you can see it, right? At least there's some progression. Whereas other teams out West, it's like, what are we going to do? You know, we're losing now and there's no signs of any hope in the coming future, but you know, 
LA Kings, good for them. A team that has no no hope for the future is my my one of my favorite teams, the Washington Capitals. No hope for the future with this team. No good young prospects. No young players you're excited about. Nobody in the system. Nothing. They're going to have another lackluster draft pick this year. What has been going right in Washington at all this season? Other than the, the hot one-month start where Ovechkin was just anything he touched, gold, like he was crapping gold. He, he was just unstoppable. How many goals does Ovechkin have in the last 10, 11 games, Tim? In the last 11 games, he's scored in two games. He has three oh. goals in those two games. Oh, no. Three goals in the last 11 games for the best goal scorer of our generation, maybe of all time. He is in a slump, and I've never seen him in a slump like this before. It's because he's old. I'm so, I've, I said it. Maybe I overshot the runway with the 30 goals, but I think I was dead on. If he doesn't have that historic start to his season where he was getting a lot of good bounces, a lot of power play goals, a lot of empty netters, if he doesn't have that historic start, I think I'm right in the mix. He's sitting at 20 goals right now, and we're talking like, oh, maybe he's not going to get 30. But say la vie, whatever, he got it. I do think they're a bad hockey team. I don't think Columbus is going to catch them. Do you think Columbus will catch them? I know we talk about this every show. And every I'm, the more the season progresses, I'm like, ugh. Maybe is there a chance Columbus catches them, Tim? Like Columbus is not playing well. It's not like they're just knocking it out of the park. They have strung together a few wins. It's just Washington is so inept. They can't seem to get out of their own way. They've lost six in a row at home. They're just, I don't know. I'm sorry. You answer your question. I'm just, I'm talking a lot this episode. The answer is I hope, I hope, and it's possible. They're only eight points behind him now with a game in hand. Uh, They won last night. And the thing is like capitals, have lost three in a row. They're four and six in the last 10, but Columbus had lost a couple in a row too. So those are some big games. They could have really made some ground on this, on this thing. And they didn't, they did win last night. Um, so probably not, but it's close. It's close enough to make things interesting, which is really fun. Cause we've, we wrote this off two months ago, these, these top eight teams. So I, I think it's possible. And I'm sure it's making the, the capital just a little bit nervous right now. In the end, this might be a good thing for him. The problem with the capitals among other things, they don't know how to start a game they always find themselves in a hole where they're down by two, down by three, and they have to claw themselves back. We saw it last night versus Toronto. They were down by a couple goals. They come back. It's tied 3-3, three, three, and then Toronto takes takes over in the last five minutes, and they win the game. If Washington scores first, they're a lot more successful. I don't know what it is, uh, why they can't start, why they can't get a good start, but they always find themselves down a goal within the first five minutes, and it's just tough sledding for them to come back night in and night out. It's not a good look. You know what else is not a good look? What? When I when I go to my fridge and I have no food in there. It's not a good look. I'm hungry. Papa's hungry. Ash Wednesday. You can't eat meat on Ash Wednesday. You got you got to figure out something else. You got to eat some fish. You got to eat some vegetables. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get some fish sticks. I'm going to get it from DoorDash. It's going to be fantastic. Tim Scallywags here in Traverse City. Really good seafood place. I'm going to get them. And I'm going to use our promo code and I'm going to get 25% off. I'm going to get free delivery. It's going to be fantastic. And you should do it too, because it's very simple. DoorDash is a good company. They support us. We want you to support them. Our Dropping the Gloves listeners. If you're living in Canada, use promo code GLOVESDD. If you're living in the USA, use promo code GLOVESDDUS. Like I said, you get 25% off your order. You get free delivery. It's a win-win. You're getting good food. Don't eat meat today if you're Catholic. It's Ash Wednesday. It's a really big day in our in our uh, religion. So get some fish, get some vegetables, have yourself a nice Ash Wednesday, and use DoorDash because they are p- 
perfect at getting your food on time, whether you like it hot or cold. They do the right job. All right, Tim. I was watching a game last night. It was a very good game. I thought it was a preview of who was going to take over the Western Conference. My my Minnesota Wild, a team that I was all in on a month ago, I thought they were earmarked for success. They, they always give the Colorado Avalanche fits. They seem to have the Vegas Golden Knights' number. They've been struggling, to say the least, of late. They've lost five in a row, and they haven't been – they've been pretty decisive defeats. And a team they've lost to twice has been the Calgary Flames. Ever since they picked up Tyler Toffoli – This has been a completely different team. And I look at their coach and I look at their GM and I look at their off season when they didn't, didn't bow to Johnny Gaudreau. Johnny wasn't happy. Daryl Sutter challenged him. Johnny Gaudreau all of a sudden is having the best, best year of his career. He's playing really strong defensively. He's having an unbelievable offensively year. He's going to get 98 to hundred points. Everything he touches is gold. Their first, second, third lines are just out of this world. They put Toffoli, a guy you, you pay a first rounder for, Tyler Toffoli. He's on their third line. You give up a first rounder for a player. He's an impact player. And you have the chutzpah, the gall, the depth to put this guy in your third line and play him with Milan Lucic and Sean Monaghan. Yes, he's on their first power play unit. But what luxury the Calgary Flames have to be able to do that. And the reason they can do that is because Toffoli knows Daryl Sutter. He's comfortable with him. He knows he's got a plan. When you look at the Calgary Flames' lineup, it is impressive. They got Johnny Lindholm and Kachuk on the first line. You got Mangiapani. I love this guy. Backlund and Coleman on the second line. Lucic, Monaghan, Toffoli on the third line. And a veteran late in fourth line with Trevor Lewis, Brad Richardson, and Brett Ritchie. You have a little bit of everything. I love this team, Tim. I don't think that <clears throat> I don't think they need to add anything. Maybe a defenseman, but even then, I don't think they need to add anything. This team, as it stands right now, I'm saying it. Call me crazy. They could win the Stanley Cup. I love the Calgary Flames as they stand right now. Things change. Other teams get better in the West. Them and Colorado are my two teams in the West right now that I have pegged for a Stanley Cup Finals. They're so good. They, they absolutely just dominated the Minnesota Wild the last two games. They didn't show any signs of weakness. You want to play a physical game? Guess what? We got Zadorov. We got Good Branson. We got Richie. We got Lucic. They dominated the physical as- aspect of that game. Well, you want to play a special teams game? Okay, we can do that. Manji Pani gets power play goal. Kachuk gets power play goal. Johnny Goudreau's dishing. It's just they can beat you so many different ways. And the Minnesota Wild did not have an answer. I have two questions. Do you think the Calgary Flames are a Stanley Cup contender as it stands right now? And is this a good thing for Minnesota to get beaten like this two games in a row by a team they're going to have to beat to get out of this Western Conference? I would say yes to both those questions. Yes, um, they're a serious team. Um, And yeah, I was looking at their roster the other day too. And same thing. I don't think I realized how much talent they have. I I picture like a couple of guys on their team. You know, you you think of Calgary, you think of Gaudreau, you think of Kachuk, you think of... I mean, Lindholm is one of the most underrated players in the league, I think. Um, and they're so deep, and they have such good defense. They have arguably the best goal in the league, one of the top three or four. And, yeah, so they're they're a really good team. I think Colorado really could be the only team I would see beating them in a seven-game series. And even then, we've seen Colorado implode. And I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I give them a good shot, especially with Sutter behind the benches. So, yeah, I think they're great. And as far as Minnesota goes, it's embarrassing right to to lose to a team like this twice pretty badly um and yeah we saw them maybe we they strung together a few wins we were drinking their Kool-Aid last month and now we're not really sure they lost five straight but 
I'd I'd rather know what I'm up against in the playoffs. Now they know that they've been through it twice. Like, okay, let's what do we do differently? What can we learn about this? What how would we play this game if we if we match up against them in the first or second round? And I think they'll learn from that. I think they have enough veterans on their team where they can turn that into action, turn that into approaching the way you practice and game plan a little bit differently if, if it's for against Calgary. So it's not a terrible thing. You know, it's it's not a fun to to lose those games, but doing it now is much better than doing it, you know, in, in May. Totally agree. I think this is a, in the end will be a good thing for men. Yes. They're missing Dumba. They're missing Greenway. The big problem with Minnesota right now, and it was this way last year, the only person who drives offense on this team is Kaprizov. And he did it last night versus Calgary. He was the only player when he had the puck on his stick, he was a threat. He hit the crossbar, missed on a breakaway. He had, he had a lot of good high-end chances, but he was the only guy. They got Ryan Hartman playing first-line center. He's getting ragdolled by Zadorov trying to spark the team because that's the only thing you can do at this point. He's your first-line center, and you got him fighting. What, like, what, what on the earth is going on? Zuccarello had a couple shifts where he was dangerous, but for the most part, he didn't look good. You need to figure out this lineup. If you can get Ryan Hartman out of that spot, Put a Claude Giroux there, put a JT Miller there, put a guy who can anchor that first line center that drops Hartman down to the second line, get Freddie Gaudreau out of there, Matt Boldy, Hartman, Fiala. I think that's my third line. I got Greenway, I got um, Erickson Eck, and I got Felino as my third line. Then you're talking about a team that's dangerous. But as it stands right now, this roster, I don't like it. I've always said I love their defense. If they can somehow pick up a first line center, then I like the Minnesota Wild. Then I'll get excited. But I, the Kool-Aid, I barfed it up. I'm not drinking it anymore. <laughs> yeah. They need to make some moves. And I think this series is kind of two and three or two and four, whatever it was. This was a good thing for him. I think the GM for the Minnesota Wild needs to get on the horn. He needs to start making some calls because it, it's, it's shown. You cannot beat the Calgary Flames. It's not going to happen. In a seven-game series, the Calgary Flames have a better team. They're deeper. They have better goaltending. So who's their general? Billy Guerin. Find Billy Guerin, and he will. He won't sit on his hands. I think the West is open. Colorado, like you said, is an unknown. How are they going to react in the playoffs? Recent history, they're going to fail. They're going to implode. This the, the West is open. So find the Minnesota Wild. I'm going all in, man. I'm trying to go out. I'm getting one, two, three impact players, and I'm making a run at this. Why not? You have a young, exciting forward who's Kaprizov. He, he's He's just a really good player. Matt Zuccarello's there. I don't know. I'm going for it if I'm him. But uh, time will only tell. GMs have a hard time giving up on their draft picks. They, it's just it's just ingrained in them. You want to develop. You want to you know keep it for next year. So we'll see what happens. But I think this was a good thing for the Minnesota Wild. <clears throat> You're right about the West being wide open. Like from the East perspective, it's kind of like, I'll, I'll I'll pick the Bruins. Right, there's seven spot. Like okay, first round currently Tampa Bay. Don't like it. They're out in the first round probably. If they do get by, they got to play like a. Gosh, Rangers, Florida, Toronto, Carolina. Like, there's there's not any team that they match up well against that I'm like, okay, I maybe we can get to the Eastern Conference Finals if we get this particular path. The West, there's one or two teams that that really, I mean, Colorado, Calgary. I would put St. Louis maybe in that category. Um, Minnesota, if they add a piece, like you said, and then it's like, but even those teams are like they all have huge question marks around them. Yeah, and then maybe you look down. LA, not afraid of Nashville, not afraid of Vegas, probably. I don't want to match up against. And then whoever sneaks into that eighth spot, Edmonton, Dallas, Anaheim, like I'm not really afraid of almost anyone in this. I expect maybe Colorado in the first round, but if, if I can not match up against them, 
I feel good about any of these teams going deep into the playoff run. Yeah, I'm not afraid of Vegas anymore, especially with um, their goaltending issues. It's they're not a scary team unless Stone comes back. And then you got Eichel. Then you got Pacioretty. Then then it's a dangerous team. But right now, I'm not scared of them. I think yeah, Calgary, Colorado. It's going to make an interesting trade deadline. I think there are a lot of teams who are on that bubble. Are we buyers? Are we sellers? If I'm the Boston Bruins, am I buyer buyer or a seller? Knowing that to get to the Stanley Cup. I'm going to have to beat three really, really good teams, even to get to the cup final. Does that make them a buyer or seller? You look in the West, you have Nashville, you have Dallas, you have Winnipeg, you have LA, you have Edmonton, you have Anaheim. Well, Edmonton's going to be a buyer. They have to be. But Anaheim, Vancouver, all these teams are still in the mix. So we could turn around a trade deadline. Everybody's a buyer. The only two teams that are selling are Chicago and Arizona. No one wants anybody on Seattle. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting trade deadline, to say the least. It could be just a plethora of moves. Or it could just be crickets, and there's one or two moves, but it's, I know it's slowly, slowly creeping up on us. I don't think we're going to see a lot of movement in the standings where teams extend the lead or not extend the lead. I think you're going to have this big pack of teams in the West all the way until the end of the season. I don't see them, you know, breaking away like that is in the East where you have an eight. It's like, okay, you eight are in. In the West, man, it's just, it's a free for all. There's only a couple teams that are out. Other than that, it's anybody's game. All right, Tim, quick hits. You love yourself some quick hits. You love them. I do. By the way, I got another tweet or two about my love for Jack Hughes. I don't think I talk about him that often, but I'm going to talk about him again because when we, when we spoke on Monday, he was on a, a point streak. He's played twice since then. He's continued it. Three more points. He had two on Monday night, uh, one last night, scored again. He's got a six-game point streak, five goals, seven assists, 12. He's going to have 100 points next year. Next, uh, Coach Woodcroft from the Oilers. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, this is a team that's already struggled, that's already has slim chances of, of, of making the playoffs, losing one of their best players. It's, it's more of a week-to-week than a day-to-day situation. So more likely he's out for the rest of the regular season, um, which could be their entire season, which is not good news for these guys. No, they're done if he's out. Like he, Even more so than they were before. Like If you lose him, he was such a big impact, power play, five on five he's he's had a really good season you, your top two lines take it takes a big hit now you're going from a first line of mcdavid hyman and Art ryan nugent hopkins and you get a side warren fogel in there <laughs> you know I, I i love me some fogel but he's no nugent hopkins you know it's just it, it doesn't work so it, oilers suck man i don't like them <laughs> <laughs> uh the blackhawks made it official by making kyle davidson the gm uh, he was the interim when Bowman got released, fired, whatever. Um, and the early reports I, I was reading about him and the way that he spoke and, and sort of things like that was that, yeah, he was an internal guy, but he's not the next Bowman. He's coming at this completely differently. I think he's got a, a new attitude and a new approach to this. So hopefully it'll turn things around for the Blackhawks. If- Bowman had a terrible personality. Um, <laughs> this guy actually can, he, he's personable. He's likable. Got a great head of hair. He's done it all in that organization. He started as like a video guy. Then he worked his way up. He was, you know, this coach, that coach, that coach, analyst, scout, this and that. So he's worked his way up through the organization. Everybody knows him. Everyone's comfortable with him. Everybody likes him. Good for them. I got hosed. Thought I was going to get the job. Whatever. There's other fish in the sea. Moving on. A great quote I saw come across my timeline from Jeff Petrie on Marty St. Louis. They lost last night, but they played really, really well so far. They went on a point streak with St. Louis taking over, and Petrie was asked about what the attitude of the team was and how he changed the culture, basically. And he said he's a coach that 
dot, dot, dot. He's brought the joy back to coming to the rink, um, which is cool. And, and Montreal has gone from being a team that's unwatchable to a team that you want to plug into and see what they're going to do on any given night. So really cool for them. He, he, he has them playing with a little bit more jump. They, they're scoring goals like it's nobody's business now. It's fun to watch the Canadians. They're losing some of these games, but they, you know, better than what they were doing. Martin could be moved too. Martin could be moved. Petrie. 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 I actually watched some of the game last night against Winnipeg to see if uh, someone was going to fight Shifley for that. They haven't played each other since the hit on Evans. Um, but they have Ben Sherratt running point in the power play. Like that's where the Montreal Canadiens are at right now. You know, what are you going to do? Martin knows what he's doing. But yeah, Shifley fought. He fought. Uh, it was a terrible fight. It was more like just a hug fest and a wrestle down. All right. What else, Tim? We got to prepare for the trade deadline. Last quick hits. Yeah. March 21st. What are you talking about that? Just a reminder that it's coming up. I feel like it's it's going to be here pretty quick. This March 2nd today, it's less than three weeks away. This is something that really, I think we'll have to do like a full trade deadline recap, I think. But I just want to make sure that's on everyone's radar. It's coming right right around the corner. Tim, everybody knows it. All right, let's get to the points bet. I almost won my three uh, my three gamer the other way. Thank you very much, Jack Hughes. Ruined it. Absolutely, Jackie Vancouver Canucks. He scored like four points. All right, who do we got tonight? You're back in the horse. Who, who's yeah. who's going to win? All right, John, listen. The Buffalo Sabres are playing the Toronto Maple Leafs in Toronto. <laughs> the Maple Leafs are minus 406. You won't win a single cent if you bet on this game. Don't bet on this game. The Leafs why? are back to back. No, I'm betting on this game. Oh, Tim. Okay. You don't, know, you don't know who I'm picking, though. Okay. Who are you picking? No, I'm picking the Leafs. The Leafs better win this game. All right. The Leafs and Sabres lock it in. Maple Leafs. I would have maybe picked the Predators over the Kraken. But that's just me. I'm a half glass full kind of guy. All right. Anyways, anybody, thank you for listening. We really appreciate the support. Have a good night. Go hammer the Leafs. They're going to win big. Tim knows it. He's the man. We'll talk to you. Everybody on Friday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.